And what our research has found is that there's really actually no new normal. The future of work is actually going to be in this continuous state of flux. The, this means employees are, are going to expect something very, very different, and that could change at a moment's notice. The report highlights that there's vanguards, those organizations that are significantly ahead of the curve. And then we have our laggard organizations that are significantly behind the curve in terms of employee relationship, management, workforce fluidity. And in fact, 35% of our vanguards are suggesting that they are going to hire more talent than they ever have before. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome, Tammy. Really appreciate you uh, participating in the Future of Work podcast with us today. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having me. It's an it's an honor to be asked. Uh, so before we get started, I'd like to introduce uh, everybody to exactly who you are. Um, um, Tammy Browning is the president of Kelly OCG. Um, as president, she leads the global MSP and RPO practices and adjacent solutions in Kelly OCG, as well as the AIRS group outplacement practices. Uh, Tammy oversees $10 billion in spend under management for the OCG uh, MSP portfolio. And Kelly is a tremendous company that's been around for many, many decades, Tammy, and your role there is vitally important. Can you explain to us just a little bit about what OCG does, the bandwidth of employees and activities that you have, so that everybody appreciates what a tremendous uh, effort uh, that Kelly goes to and, and the history behind the company. Yeah, Frank, thank you for that. And I should mention in opening, because it's really a monumental day here for us at Kelly. Today, specifically, we are celebrating our 75th anniversary and the founders of the industry as it relates to staffing and human capital placement. So we're honored to be here today um, and really celebrate Kelly for 75 years, really, frankly, the entire industry. Holistically, we're a workforce solutions company that connects people to work in ways that enrich their lives. And to put that into perspective, when you consider the amount of people we place and then the supply chain that we also use is an extension of our organization, we place over 450,000 people around the world uh, every year across um, all regions. So uh, here in North America and of course in APAC, um, Europe, as well as into Latin America. So great uh, depth and breadth, both in our staffing, our workforce solutions organizations, our independent um, working with supply chain and others to make all of that come to fruition to find work for, for people. Well, Kelly, excuse me, Tammy, you've seen uh, tremendous bandwidth in, in what uh, Kelly does. Um, and that gives you a particularly unique insight, not just from your own company, which we would expect, but for companies all over the globe, exactly what they're doing during this pandemic period, how they're reacting to things, how they're adjusting their workforces uh, overall. Uh, and I think that that's uh, critical. Can you, you just recently did a, a global workforce uh, agility report. Um, can you give us uh, some uh, of the findings from that report and how you see work evolving in a post-pandemic period? 
Yeah, you know, the report um, first was, in fact, a report that we started originally in APAC a couple of years ago, specifically to drive some awareness to what was happening in the Asian communities and market. So we took that report, was so powerful, the information we gathered was so powerful that we expanded that this year and in fact just launched it uh, about eight weeks ago. And what it has done is it's really highlighted this resiliency in the workforce. And the pandemic has really triggered sort of this systemic shift in how, when and where work is done. And what our research has found is that there's really actually no new normal, the future of work I think that you'll be talking about for some time throughout this podcast is actually going to be in this continuous state of flux. The This means employees are, are going to expect something very, very different, and that could change at a moment's notice. When you consider that overall, um, the world of work today, our research has really discovered that companies are some ahead of others. So the example being, the report highlights that there's vanguards, those organizations that are significantly ahead of the curve. And then we have our laggard organizations that are significantly behind the curve in terms of employee relationship, management, workforce fluidity. And in fact, 35% of our vanguards are suggesting that they are going to hire more talent than they ever have before. And 62% are employing more contingent labor than ever. So they're actually using temporary labor or flexible labor categories in this flex environment and in a hybrid model. So it's been a, it's, our report has really found that organizations don't have a one size fits all right now. It's a constant state of flex. There is an, a leading edge organizations that are ahead of the curve and offering those flexible environments. And then there's those that are far behind. And so the report gives a little bit of meat behind all of that and, and share some great content. Well, let, let's define some of those. When you talk about a flexible work environment, let, let's add some definition to, to some mm -hmm. of that. And yeah. I'll, I'll reference it. <clears throat> you know, we're, we're in the flexible workplace and, and space sector uh, and have been for almost as long as, he, as Kelly has been, not quite as long, but we were actually as a company, uh, one of Kelly's very, very first PEO clients back in 1981 or 82. So, you know, I, I have a great appreciation for your history. Um, but in some of our discussions with perhaps some of the clients that you consider, the companies you consider to be vanguards, um, we know going back to 2017 uh, as a good year, pivotal year, that they couldn't bring in good talent. They couldn't hire good talent unless they had a flexible workplace program. By 2019, and as the pandemic started picking up in different parts of the world, everybody just got kind of kicked in the rear and now they had to do it. So a lot of plans and perfect plans and perfect HR solutions and all these things that everybody thought, oh, here's the perfect way to do this. Everybody said, ah, it doesn't matter. We now we just got to do it. And the amount of information they have gained and what they have learned during that period about workforce management has been phenomenal. Can you bring us up to speed on where you think some of that future will be and, and add some definitions to some of the things that you're talking about? 
Yeah, I think if the pandemic did anything, it taught us that uh, many organizations, while had business continuity plans, they had never had to execute on one. So the practical application of the business continuity plans um, was challenged. And in fact, you'd, you'd be surprised at some of the organizations that could immediately jump into action and take their workforce remote instantly. And the ones that could not, you would suspect that you know, everybody would have been prepared for something like this, but the truth be told, they were not. No. In fact, in uh, in our report, 59% of the executives going forward in that Vanguard population, just in general, have said that they're going to you know, have this hybrid model really forever. And one in four companies actually believe that the leaders that they have today, which is shocking, actually have the skills they need to manage a remote workforce. So when you think about that in context, this hybrid work model, we believe is here to stay for some time. The question is, is it here forever? I mean, forever is a, a long time, right? Uh, we are actually more predicting that in about five years, we may see this shift back to some requirement of being in person, or perhaps generations may have a different expectation of how they're working if you're thinking of this next and incoming generation, they actually thrive on face-to-face -face interaction and are actually saying they don't want to go hybrid or remote 100%. They want to have some context of being able to work with other people. Uh, so I do think that we are going to see um, this hybrid model as an expectation. You're absolutely right. The benefit that it's created to organizations right now is that they can cast a far greater net for the roles that they need than they used to be able to cast from a talent attraction perspective. So when you think about how they can fill roles in the future or how they can you know, maybe identify a worker that is in Malaysia, but doing work somewhere in Texas, the odds of being able to do that in pre-pandemic, you know, pre it was difficult to convince employers to do that, particularly in a contingent labor space. Now it's it's all the rage. How can we cast the net greater? What can we do to drive a better experience for these workers? And then what do we need to do to train our leaders in our organizations to actually manage remote workforce? Um, we've we've not filled that uh, that issue. And when you then think about sort of the skill gap that we're all talking about in the industry, um, our data was really indicating that we've got um, this skill gap is only going to get worse that the pandemic has only sped that up and we've had many people leave the workforce. So I think having a hybrid model and engaging a hybrid model in the ways in which benefit an individual company is, is going to be very unique and every company is going to have to have a different approach to attract talent long-term. Well, I, I, I think you're right. And, and it really comes back down to talent um, uh, overall and hiring the best people. Mm -hmm. How they work or where they work, um, and uh, that recognition on behalf of companies that you don't have to have everybody clustered into a giant corporate headquarters in order to have a culture. Your culture can be developed digitally as easily and maybe more easily at times as it, as it can be physically, and we're seeing that all over the world as well. And what we're seeing too, though, it's interesting, um, is we, we made a, a statement years ago, about five or six years ago, that um, there is no such thing as an office occupier anymore. Mm. Um, there are only travelers. 
And so today we are all digital nomads. I know you're you're uh, traveling today, and we're, we caught you in a hotel visiting, uh, you know, on your way to visit some clients. Uh, I'm working from my residence today, but I'll be at a meeting in a, one of our centers later this afternoon. So we're all digital nomads, whether we it's long distance, whether we're working in two or three cities with a permanent employer, or whether we're just local, working like I do from four or five locations depending upon what I need in order to produce a particular type of work. So when we look at HR systems, and when you look at the future of work, and, and when you think of these Vanguard companies, one of the things that we've seen as a challenge for many of the, probably the same companies that, that you do, is how do they manage the remote aspects of officing? people in their homes, people in uh, co-working and business centers, people sometimes at the corporate headquarters or at meeting and convention centers. We think that it looks more like a travel management model than a classic HR management model. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, what's interesting, uh, you know, I've been in the business of workforce management for 22 years. And in that 22 years, the last 16 of them, I personally have been a remote worker. So uh, yeah, when you consider our industry, especially in the human capital space, we've been contending with remote work for some time. And what we found is technology is less now about do I have a laptop or maybe a, a Wi-Fi hotspot or in a cell phone to do my job? But technology has gone far beyond those necessary computer and phone and maybe an ability to connect to a Wi-Fi and much more around tech enablement for business growth. And employers that have really adopted technology to drive behaviors within their organizations to make work easier to be done. Think of the environment we're in today and the technology we're using now. This is an expectation going forward. 88% of our vanguards said that adopting leading edge technology is critical to supporting long-term business success. And 94% of them said that their responsibility is to ensure that their employees have the skills they need to adapt to these new technologies. So the training and upskilling of the resources Many have already begun sort of creating these technology and advocate organizations within their within their own orgs to be able to better understand how to use this technology differently, how to change the workload. Um, and what we've seen, it's so fascinating for uh, the last number of years we've talked about, you know, AI coming in and, and potentially taking over the work of humans today and potentially having RPA or, or some type of um, you know, digital innovation take over the world of work. But the truth be told, the talent themselves want robots and technology in the workforce today, and they're expecting it as part of their job so that they can become more efficient. So it's, it's really much more about how can we make people more productive in their roles? How can we create more visibility? How can we create more productivity metrics that can actually enable somebody to be more successful in their job? And this all comes by way of technology. And uh, every I, I talk to many organizations about if you're not really using tech as a strategy to make your employees better, faster, and stronger, then you're missing out. And even more fascinating is if 
we're not realizing that the individuals that you're hiring, interviewing, and seeking to employ, if you don't have a really good story about how the tech will enable their future success, your employee value proposition is at risk. So we really talk about evangelize what the the resources and tools that technology wise are going to be when you're interviewing and attracting talent. It could be a leading edge and cutting uh, cut through the the uh, competitive landscape that individuals have because you know you maybe have ahead of the game. And so so it's definitely changing the way people work. There's no question, and I don't see that going away or changing anytime soon. No, I, I think that we're going to see it accelerate. It, it's interesting when you talk about robotics and uh, artificial intelligence and things. Uh, we were just working with a, a, a group and uh, they have installed robotics in their manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is instead of a person working on a shop floor to them, they've now said, well, we can hire anybody to run this robot and this robotic process that can sit anywhere. And so the best engineers for that purpose, as opposed to lathe operators sitting on the shop floor, we can hire them and we want to establish remote workplaces for that, that team. And so they're real concerned with, Uh, the work environment uh, of a remote workplace, uh, uh, its uh, bandwidth, capability, et cetera, which might not be available in a residential environment. So they want a real work environment for these people, but their robot operators will be a distributed workforce. Um, uh, And that's a a major change, but it's uh, in in every, every aspect of shop management, if you will. But it's not one that decreases employee structure. It's one that enhances the structure. So I think that that's going. And yesterday, I spent a great portion of the day uh, working in a, a meeting. Uh, in uh, The meeting was in Munich, uh, in Germany. And uh, I was there holographically. Um, uh, so the, the technology, I was wearing an Oculus set, a uh, headset, and, 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 and it was a, a quite, a, quite a fun uh, process, but um, the, the ability to travel is not just two dimensional anymore, like we're doing today with this podcast, but it is becoming three dimensional. So the capacity to bring people together physically in a technology format will radically change, I think, what you're talking about of people coming back to the office. Um, beam me up, Scotty. I mean, it's there's a lot of that coming forward, and that will become a method of travel, technologically, and of bringing people together. Uh, just as, again, I was working with a full team, about 20 people yesterday in Munich, you know, all over the world, um, and it was it was very exciting. Uh, it also took me three days to learn how to use the technology. Uh, by the way, it wasn't something I could just slide into. I had to learn how to use this technology in order to do this. So there's a lot of, of, of that that will have to go on as well, certainly. Um, well, where do you see the future of work coming forward? Uh, we talk about the adaptation of, of technologies and hybrid work we use as a term. Uh, uh, you know, that's become somewhat ubiquitous as a term now, people working from any number of locations uh, uh, with equal impact. 
look out to 2030, look, uh, look beyond 2025 and, and, and kind of help our audience think of the strategies that, that you would use or recommend putting in place as, as you look towards a 2030 uh, work model. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be really fascinating. I, you know, we can. I wish I had a crystal ball to be as. Oh, um, I have one. <laughs> I wish I did for twenty thirty. I feel like you know our our world is evolving so rapidly, week to week. In fact, I was just chatting with my organization yesterday about our next workforce agility report, and it, it was intended to be an annual report, but because things are changing so rapidly from week to week even, we're considering uh, now doing quarterly reports because of that dynamic. So 2030 is, um, there's a lot to, to be said for what could happen by then. But what I, what I can tell you is that generationally speaking, if we think about what's happening, not just with AI, robotics, um, the technology enablement that is going to absolutely be there. And where you were going with your story is that that is here to stay and it will enhance the way people work. And not only is it going to enhance the way they work, but we've also got to teach people how to use this technology and be far more advanced. So I think if organizations today aren't working on reskilling and upskilling and training as a as a standard practice for what could happen in five to ten years, they will be behind the boat for sure. AI and robotics need humans to interact. When you think about um, the robotic industry, while it is cutting edge and it's fascinating, and in fact, here at Kelly, we are actually working on the digital worker and a and a temporary robot strategy too. So where whereby if an organization needs um, a robot instead of a human, we we will actually place that a robot as a temp worker. So what we're what we're seeing though is that robots still are not as advanced as people think they are, and they still require their humans to run them and to understand how to engage with them and understand how to train. So if we're if you're not working on that as an organization, you're behind. And then really, I think if we're thinking about um, other topics that we need to be discussing by 2030 is do you have a DEI strategy that aligns to your future of work strategy? So does a diversity, equity, and inclusion come in and play a factor in that? Are you upskilling talent in that area and are you focusing on it? And then I think some of the other things that we are going to see, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, but what does this do to um, big corporate headquarter locations? What does this do? Do we reduce downsize? Do we have uh, jump-in type style uh, office spaces instead of big office spaces? Do people have, um, you know, home offices now more readily available to them? So I do think there needs to be an understanding of by 2030 is what is that commercial real estate landscape going to look like? It is going to be very different than what we're experiencing today. I was on the phone yesterday with a with a tech company who um, actually out of out of the Silicon Valley, who said that they've vacated all of their premise and what they have done is rented a home for their executives to have a home base and go work from from time to time. Just again, 2030 is so far out, Frank, it's hard to know. You're seeing so many things change drastically, but those are the big the big ones that I would suggest organizations start working on. Well, you know, it, it, it it's interesting when you think about it and a lot of what you're talking about here and, and that I've referenced too are large organizations. Mm -hmm. 
global enterprises and things. But yet the great majority of all workers work for small companies that have less than 10 employees. Um, uh, so uh, it, when we, we see the mass of people, it's really a, a question, and I don't know the answer to this, but will these changes be led by large enterprises or, or will they actually be the laggards by comparison to the smaller companies who by and large are much more agile to begin with and have a, a, a much more, uh, a much closer uh, uh, relationship with the direct employees uh, as we, as, as, as they grow their, their own companies. Um, so I think that that's one thing. The, the other thing you, you referenced commercial real estate, et cetera. Um, I think a big percentage, 20, 30, 40%. I mean, it, it, let, take a, you, you've been throwing out lots of numbers. Let's give some real simple numbers. Oh, Tammy, you're going to work from home one day a week. I'm the FM manager at your company. I said, well, there's 20% vacancy. Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to work on a hybrid basis three days a week. Oh, geez, I got 60% vacancy now. Um, so the repurposing of commercial real estate will be reshaping cities uh, yes. and, and, and everything, really. And if you think, let's take uh, Manhattan, uh, uh, look at that and say, well, if we just repurpose 30% or 40% of all the commercial office space in Manhattan and turn it into residential space, what would that do to commuting patterns? What would that do to bringing the cost of residential space down to where more people could afford it? And what would that do to energizing the smaller businesses within the city, the restaurants, the shops, the shoe shore cleaners, I mean, everything within the city. And that's one of the things we see going on or starting to go on already. Uh, as we look at renewal rates for large spaces uh, of a lot of the larger enterprises that you're talking about in the commercial area. So we, we see that going on right now. The other thing we see going on when we look at residential real estate, um, I don't know a single large scale residential home developer today that does not build in workspace into the residence as part of the initial design. Um, and there's two, generally two workspaces. There's a, an individual workspace uh, for an office type environment. And then there's a common or family type workspace that is more of an open structure for dual use, not just possibly a family room use, but for family work use as well. And we see this going on all over the world, not just in, in North America. So it, it, we are going to see changes as we look towards this 2030. Uh, they'll be evolutionary more than revolutionary. Hopefully we won't have another pandemic or other type event that will cause us to get so unsettled. Um, but I really think that uh, we're going to see major changes uh, that will uh, drive really a, a much better work-life balance. And I think that's one of the things you were heading towards with mm -hmm. what the generational changes are, are that we're going to be seeing and, and, and why even before the pandemic, you couldn't hire somebody uh, unless you had a good remote work plan. Uh, the work-life balance is, is key to health, uh, physical health, to mental health, uh, to strengthen families and family relationships, which support societies. And, and uh, so uh, I, I think that we'll see a lot more of that coming forward. We have to. 
know. And we will. And I think those organizations that are specifically centering in on how can we create a better employee experience and engagement um, scores are off the charts. I don't, I don't know if you're um, tracking engagement of the millennial population today, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you're reading about the great resignation and all the things oh, yeah. that are upon us and they are here. Those are real. We are absolutely seeing them. And when you think about everything else you just shared, when you when you top all that off with the fact that 63% of of our millennials say that they're willing to just quit their job if they don't have a hybrid work model. Sure. They're willing to walk away uh, without a job in hand. They're willing to um, take a job for lesser pay. They're willing to move to a city that offers more of what their cultural style is or what their environment is. And so I do think that there will be this um, this shift and employers having to watch all of us, meaning the humans that do the work, how we are behaving and we'll have to be very adaptable and very nimble. And what you suggested around the small employer, I actually think they have an advantage. They're, they can be as quick or as fast as they want to with deploying new strategies. Um, and as a, as a side note, um, I have a, a, a son that just exited college and as he exited and went into a company, he chose a company that was actually 22 people big instead of a big enterprise organization. And um, and what they sent him, his, his first question was, what's my tech package? What are you going to send me? And they sent an entire office set up to him. And yep. that's what we are going to expect in the future. And they gave him an allowance for a chair and a desk. That's how those smaller organizations are going to be more nimble because big corporations, they have to go through some bureaucracy to get all of that to come to fruition, right? Where these small companies do not. So I, it's an interesting design, an interesting model. People are working with people that they've never physically met before now. Think about the offers that are being extended to the people that have worked in this last 18 months that have never even met their boss in person. It's really fascinating how we've evolved. And yet I think, um, I do think in, in the coming years, we'll see a little bit of amnesia. And I do think some organizations will go back to a demanding people be on site again, and they'll lose out on the talent long-term. So it'll be a, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. If you could share your crystal ball with me, I would love to, uh, to have a, a glimpse at it just for I a minute. Will, I will definitely yeah. polish it up and send it over. Yeah. Not, just for a minute. About that. Yeah. Well, Tammy, I, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time today. I know how busy you are and, and, you know, you have a global enterprise that you have to take care of and, and doing a great job, I might say. Um, so I really want to thank you. Uh, is there uh, any parting words or any last moment things you want to leave with the audience as words of wisdom or uh, uh, just how people might reach out to you if they have any questions? Yeah, I think, Frank, what I what I think would be helpful if, is our, our, again, our Global Workforce Agility Report launched just a couple of months ago. If any of your listeners want a copy of the report, I'm happy to send it. You can find me on Tammy Browning at Kelly OCG. So if you just look at Tammy Browning, Kelly OCG, I'll be the first person on LinkedIn that will pop up. Shoot me a note, say I'd love a copy of it. I will email you the full report. It is long and comprehensive. If you have it in a global role, we have created it in such a way where you can double click into regional information and see how some of those high level numbers that I shared today, how in fact they resonate at a local level in some countries, because it is very different what we're experiencing around the world 
versus what we're experiencing here in North America. It's, it's very yeah. different. So, so send us, uh, send me a note and I'm happy to shoot it to you. And then Frank, just thanks for having me. I think it's wonderful that we're talking about this early and often and having these dialogues regularly about what companies can do to stay ahead of the curve to attract the right talent. Because the net net is uh, in my work, I um, pride myself every day as our organization does that we find work for people in ways that enrich their lives and um, any way by which they choose to work is uh, is our motto. So no, that's a, a great motto. And uh, we know that you as an organization do a terrific job. So yeah. Emmy, again, thanks for I that. Thank you very much. Thank you. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?